And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment. Henry, Henry <laughs> Aldrich, including <laughs> trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news... And classic radio shows. My co-host is the tantalizing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a Thanksgiving's episode of The Great Gildersleeve from 1942, starring Hal Perry. But first, Lisa Wolf Dylan is our lyricist for learning the lyrics. Lisa will read popular song lyrics. I'll try to guess the name of the songs while you play at home. Right, Lisa? That's right. So these songs begin with the letter R. R. You were not successful R. in thinking of any song titles no. that begin with the letter R. Can't think so, of one. So, Mike, can you give us your prediction? Hmm. I think he's definitely going to get the last one, but I think he'll get the first one, too. I agree. Hmm. I, I agree. So two out of three? That would be two out of three. Ain't, ain't bad. <laughs> All right. I want you. I need you. But you know. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> All right. Here is the first song. Talking to myself and feeling old. Sometimes I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit. Hanging around. Nothing to do but frown. And I've just led you up to the key line here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'll keep going. What I've got, they used to call the blues. Nothing is really wrong. Feeling like I don't belong. Walking around. Some kind of lonely clown. And there you go. Again, there's your title. I don't know. Think 1970s. Think a nice slow pop song. I don't know. Give me some more. Okay. Um. Funny, but it seems I always wind up here with you. Nice to know somebody loves me. Funny, but it seems that it's the only thing to do. Run and find the one who loves me. The one who loves me. What I feel has come and gone before. No need to talk it out. We know what it's all about. Hanging around. Nothing to do but frown. I don't know. All right. No idea. Talking to myself and feeling old. I don't know this song. What? What is Sometimes this? I'd like to Come on. It's the Carpenters. Nothing ever seems to fit. My favorite. Hanging oh, I grew up with this. Nothing to so do did you. Here what is this? Yeah, oh, rainy days and Mondays always. always get me down. down. This is a great classic, Carl. Love yeah. it. I love it. It's so Carpenters. slow, though. I know. What I it, it picks up. 
She was something, huh? Right. What a voice. What a voice. Who sings better? I'm going to have to go with Karen Carpenter. Yeah, I'll give it to her. By like 1%. I mean, she's got a special place in my heart. I grew up with her. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. I mean, yeah. I should have got this I mean, I would sit with my phonograph and listen to Karen Carpenter. Wow, what a boring life you had, huh? I guess, but it served me well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, here's your next song. Hang on a second. Okay, now stay I'm in, used to that. I get that a lot, don't <laughs> now, I? Now stay in that same genre. Uh, Keep things nice and slow. Another slow song? Okay, you ready? Oh, boy. He was born in the summer of his 27th year, coming home to a place he'd never been before. He left yesterday behind him. You might say he was born again. You might say he found a key for every door. When he first came to the mountains, oh. his life was far away. Is this John road. Denver? Yeah, and uh, hanging by a song. Listen, but the string's already broken, yeah. and he doesn't really care. It keeps changing. Rocky Mountain High. Yes. Rocky Mountain High. Yes. John Denver. This is the one I thought you wouldn't get. Rocky Mountain High. Love it. Come on, John Denver. John Denver. John Denver. Go, John Denver. He left yesterday. He was. He was really good, huh? Again. Karen Carpenter, John Denver, these were my best I mean, friends John, growing John up. John Denver was, <laughs> oh boy. He really had a great voice, you know? He had a real, like, calming, soothing kind of a friendly demeanor. Yeah. Like, it's hard not to like that. So likeable. He was like, great. everybody's buddies. I can't go that high. I'm not going up on that one. Here we go. Rocky Mountain High, Colorado. Rocky Mountain High. Colorado. Yeah, I haven't heard this song in a long time. Yeah, it's good one. All right. All right. Hey, wait, I got that one. Yeah, wow. ding, ding, ding. That's okay. amazing. Let's change that gears one. here a little bit, okay? Okay, yeah. As is there any as... rock and roll songs here or what? Um, this is rock. Okay. Rock. All right. Right, Mike? Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. it's rock. Okay. All right. As soon as you are able, and I am willing <laughs> to make the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table. My love is spilling. Waiting here for you to take a drink of. So if you're tired of the same old story, oh, turn some pages. I'll be here when you are ready to row with the changes. Yeah, row with the changes. Is that the name of the song? Oh shoot! Roll. I was gonna say, is that the name of the I'm song? I'm sorry, I gave you the name. Is, I, I crossed it out. Why? Why do you do that? <laughs> why do I do that? Why do you give me the? I didn't. Why do you give me the, the name you know of what the I song? Do? I was about to say, roll oh, with the changes. I, I, you know what I do? I put like a line over it so I don't say it, and I said it anyways. I yeah. just got excited. As soon as you are I'll give that one to you. It's just roll with the changes. Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, man. I knew this. I, I know you did. One. I know. This is I great. I would have gotten this. Sorry. My mistake. Oh. 
You don't know the words, but no, you do the song. <laughs> I, I had this album. Me too. REO Speedwagon. Yeah. I just realized as soon as I said it that it was the title. I got it. All right, I would have got that. Believe me, I know. I know. It's a great song, nevertheless. All right, so two out of three, right? You did. You got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lisa Wolf (laughs) and Mike Bubblebath Costello. Thank you too. You're welcome. When we come back, it's the Great Gildersleeve, a Thanksgiving show. You're gonna love it. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was a character on Fibber McGee and Molly. Hal Perry played that character And it was so popular, Lisa, that in 1941, it spun off and became one of radio's first spinoff programs. It was sponsored by Kraft. It was on NBC. And the character of Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve moved from Wistful Vista to Summerfield, and he became the town water commissioner and a, a very eligible bachelor. He was also raising his orphaned niece and nephew, Marjorie and Leroy. He had a housekeeper named Birdie, um, and it was an awesome series. It lasted a long, long time on radio from 1941 until 1957. I mean, think about that. And then it made a transition to television as well uh, in 1955. But uh, Hal Perry only played the role till 1950. Then Willard Waterman took over. But Hal Perry is in this episode. It's a really good one. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving show, and Gildersleeve tries to get a B-ration book. You know, this was the wartime in uh, November of 1942. So let's tune this in. Part one of The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton. Well, let's get on to The Great Gildersleeve, who's been putting in a busy Saturday morning down at the water department trying to clear his desk of all the odds and ends that have piled up there. 
As we join him now, we find him almost down to the blotter and feeling pretty good about it. Action, yes, action. That's the keynote today, Miss Fitch. And you have accomplished a great deal this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes, sir. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I try not to. Uh, Procrastination this... is the thief of time. Uh, there's a letter here. Time and tide wait for no man. This woman wrote in two weeks ago. For one of a nail, the shoe was lost, Miss Fitch. Action, that's the thing, action. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, are you going to answer this woman's letter? What does she want? Action. Be sure. <laughs> well, uh, let's see the letter. She says she wrote in two weeks ago and never got an answer. Oh, oh yes, I remember this. Uh, take an answer. Very well. Uh, dear madam... In reply to your recent letter regarding a kneel in your bathtub, <laughs> we wish to thank you for calling this to our attention. After a thorough investigation of the matter, we wish to report that it would have been impossible for the said eel to have gained access to your tub through the faucet. As all our water is carefully filtered, and furthermore, standard plumbing fixtures are too small to accommodate a kneel of the dimensions you describe. <laughs> we can only suggest that the creature either crawled up the drain, in which event your attorney should get in touch with the Department of Public Works, not us. Or possibly it was placed in your tub by an enemy. While it's out of our department, we'd suggest that a stopper kept in the tub at all times should prove an effective precaution against eels in the future. <laughs> Failing which, we'd advise a closer check on your friends. <laughs> Very truly yours, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, Water Commissioner. You got that? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. That ought to hold her. What's next? Well, I don't know whether you want to do anything about this. Let's have it. Action, Miss Fitch. Let's clear the decks here. Uh, very well. This it's... is no time for bottlenecks. Uh, no. Uh, this You'll is... notice that in every photograph of Donald Nelson, <laughs> there's not a single paper on Donald Nelson's desk. That's the only way to be an executive. Do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. Come, come, come. What have you got there? A six-month reminder from your dentist. <laughs> well, suppose you put that in the deferred file That's where it came from <laughs> You're a hard woman, Miss Fitch <laughs> All right, call up the dentist and make an appointment for Monday Good For Leroy <laughs> Come on, let's get on here, time's a-wasting hey, Have you got the application for my B-gas ration? Yes, it's right here Oh, I must remember to get that in this afternoon It's all filled out, all you have to do is sign it I better check it over Let's see here. It says, uh, occupational use of the vehicle. If vehicle is used for driving between home and fixed place of work in the principal occupation as stated in items four and six above, answer all questions in part A below. <laughs> if vehicle is used in the performance of the principal occupation stated in items four and six above, Oh, brother, I'll take your word for it, Miss Fitch. <laughs> oh, uh, you also have to get the signatures of any person sharing the ride with you. Oh, well, Judge Hooker is my share of the rider, but he isn't speaking to me. He can darn well sign, though. I understand very few people are going to get the B rations. Oh, I'll get one, all right. After all, I'm a city official. I have to do a lot of official driving. I'm entitled to one if anybody is. Yes, but uh, have you heard who's head of the ration board now? It, it doesn't make any difference. Who? Judge Hooker. Mm, Judge Hooker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If Hooker will find some technicality. He'll block it if he has to stage a filibuster. Maybe I better invite the old goat to Thanksgiving dinner after all. That might soften him up a little. Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. He couldn't accept a man's hospitality and then trick him out of his B card, could he? <laughs> I don't recall that the application form covers that. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Quiet. Here comes the old sour ball now. Well, hello there, Judge. <laughs> 
And does the bus leave, Gildersleeve? Yeah, the bus leaves whenever you're ready, Judgey. I'm ready now. Be right with you. Can't keep a customer waiting, can we, Miss Fitch? I'll get my hat and coat. Mr. Gildersleeve, uh, you're not forgetting. Uh... Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. While you're waiting, Judge, Miss Fitch has an application blank there that requires your signature. A mere formality, you know. What's this? Uh, just to show that I'm sharing my car with you. Oh, so you're applying for a B-ration book, huh? Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Give the judge a pen, Miss Fitch. Here, oh, use mine. It's a self-filler. I think you'll like it. There, that's it. There you are. Thank you, Judge. Well, see you Monday, Miss Fitch. Oh, uh, by the way, Horace, I meant to ask you before, I hope you'll give us the pleasure of dining with us as usual on Thursday. Mm, I thought you'd forgotten all about Thanksgiving. Not at all. Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving without you, Horace. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> sissy in this fool outfit. This is the kind of clothes the pilgrims wore, and they were no sissies. Yeah, but they didn't have to wear them in front of a whole auditorium full of people. Stand still, will you, before I jab you with this pin. Courtship of Miles Standish. Why don't you speak for yourself, John? Yeah. Oh! Told you you'd get stuck. (laughs) I think you're going to look real cute when I get this down. That's just what I'm afraid of. That's what the whole school is going to think. Leroy, will you stand still? It wouldn't have been so bad if I was Miles Standish. I'd get to wear a helmet. But John Alden, that panty waist. I'm lucky the teacher didn't make me play Priscilla. (laughs) I don't see why you feel that way. John Alden is a hero. Remember, it's John Alden who gets the girl. Yeah, Ethel Hammerschlag, he can have her. (laughs) Hello, Uncle Mort. And Leroy. Hello. Well, look at our little pilgrim. Hey, Marge, can't I take this off now? No, wait till I get it pinned. You know your lines yet, young man? Some of them. Well, it's about time. You've been rehearsing that part for a month. I've been trying to get out of it for a month. That's no attitude to take. The courtship of Miles Standish is great literature. I studied it in school myself. I remember it to this very day. Uh, this is the forest primeval, the murmuring pines and the hills. That's Evangeline, Uncle Mort. Eva- well, that's good, too. <laughs> Uh, let's hear you recite that speech you were having trouble with last night, Leroy. No, I don't want to. Come on now, I want to see if you've learned it. Oh, some other time, Uncle. No, right now. I'd like to hear it. We both would. Wouldn't we, Marjorie? We'd love to. No, I won't do it. Not if she's going to listen. Young man, you'll recite that speech or you'll go right upstairs to your room. Okay. <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> let's see. Uh, um, pretty Mistress Priscilla turned out a deaf ear to the suit of one who, though absent yet, uh, yet, uh... Yet loves thee with a noble and undying passion. Go back and try it again. Do I have to? Yes. If you don't keep at it, you'll never learn the part. If I don't learn the part, maybe we won't have to do it. <laughs> you'll do it or I'll know the reason why. Come on now, once more. Pretty Mistress Priscilla... Pretty Mistress... I can't say it. You're not trying. <laughs> pretty Mistress Priscilla... <laughs> Now you've got me doing it. Oh, Bertie, I want to talk to you. Leroy, you go up to your room and practice. Darn old Miles Standish anyway. Uh, Quiet, you. (laughs) Bertie, I've invited Judge Hooker to Thanksgiving dinner. So that'll mean one more. That'll mean five more. What? Yes, I hope you don't mind, Uncle Mort. I invited four of the boys from Camp Fuller. Oh, well, fine. The more, the merrier. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving unless there are plenty around to enjoy the turkey. Uh, speaking of turkey, Mr. Gillsleeve. Uh, yes, Bertie? You wouldn't want to buy a chance on one, would you, I don't suppose? Uh, what do you mean, Bertie? Well, the ladies at my church is holding the turkey raffle. 
Again? If, all right, I'll buy a chance. How much are they? Twenty-five cents. That's for one. One chance. There you are. There's a quarter. Thank you. Most everybody around here has bought one from me. All the neighbors. Well, you're doing fine. Of course. If you used to buy two chances. It stands to reason you'd have twice as good a chance as they have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no getting around that, Bertie. All right, I'll take two. Mr. Gillsleeve, you're making no mistakes. Turkey's awful expensive this year. Yes, I know, Bertie. Forty-eight cents a pound a day one grocery. Oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so if even you used to buy three chances, you'd still be ahead. <laughs> Sold, Bertie. Make it three. Yes, sir. Let's see now. How many is it going to be for dinner? Well, there's Marjorie and Leroy and Judge Hooker and Mrs. Ransom and the four soldiers and you, Bertie. That makes nine. And you, that makes 12. <laughs> oh, yeah, ask me. That's going to take a big turkey. Well, maybe we should order one right away and ask him to hold it for us. Well, let's wait and see how this raffle comes out first, Marjorie. We don't want to be stuck with two turkeys, you know. Of course, they've sold quite a lot of chances on it. You've only got three. Uh, Bertie, if you can guarantee I'll get the turkey, I'll take five chances. Well, I can't promise nothing, but my cousin's doing the drawing. <laughs> I'll take five. Well, that'd be a dollar and a quarter. That's right. Well, here's another dollar. That's quite a lot of money. Yes, it is. A dollar and a quarter will buy a lot of things. Don't I know it. You wouldn't like to take a couple more chances just to protect your investment. <laughs> you get out of here, Bertie, before you ruin me. I got to get down to the ration board. Nineteen forty-two, November twenty-second broadcast. So we were in World War II about eleven months at this time, and rationing was um, kind of the way of life. You know, you couldn't. You had a ration. Uh, they rationed rubber. They rationed metal because they needed it for the war. You know, and everyone had to do their part, even if you weren't in the. In the service, you did right. your part as sure. as uh, someone who wasn't in the service by rationing what we needed to win the war. And that's how our parents grew up yeah. very differently because they grew up in a time when they did need to ration and they yeah. learned uh, to handle money much differently than Ex we do today. Exactly. That's for sure. Um, hey, so for Thanksgiving, I just ordered today, I just ordered my food from Whole Foods. I ordered a whole turkey. And the gravy and all the stuffing and all that because I cannot cook. And I have my mom coming over and my sister and my niece and her boyfriend. And so... Well, I did the exact same thing, but I ordered two turkey breasts. Two, oh, really? Yeah. I got a whole turkey from Whole I got, Foods. I went to Heinen's. Heinen's is great, Heinen's, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pick <laughs> Make it up. Make it a little bit easier on myself. All right, stick around. <laughs> we'll be right back. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 Classic Radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Hal Perry, fun fact. You ready, Lisa? By 1951, Harold Perry had appeared in more than 10,000 radio broadcasts, which was a record at that time. Wow. 10,000. That is a record. Wow. Imagine that. It's a ton of shows, boy. Um, Well, we've been, uh, if you count how many hours, if you take 16 years we've been doing this show, times five hours times 52 weeks, what is that? It's a lot. How many hours is that? <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I have my calculator, but that's a, I, I bet you it's a huge number. Yeah. You know? Um, all right. We're listening to the great Gildersleeve. He was great. Mm-hmm. My brother hates this show. He hates this show. Uh, I love the great Gildersleeve, but he can't stand when Hal Perry goes, yeah. you know? And so I do it to him. I mean, him. that's his trademark, though. I do it know? to my brother a lot of times. I'll go, hey, bro. And he's, <laughs> he's like, like rah, 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 rah. all right. So this is all about Thanksgiving, November 22nd, 1942. Hal Perry starring. Here is the conclusion to the great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Look at that crowd. It, pardon me. It, could somebody tell me whether this is where you get B ration books? No, this is where you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, wise guy. And madam, would you mind? You can't shove in here. I'm not trying to shove in. Right, end of the line. End of the line. <laughs> I've been waiting here since 2 o'clock and you come trying to shove in. Yeah. Madam, I was merely trying to ask a civil question. Oh, end of the line, yes. bud. Just a minute. Who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? <laughs> Bye, George. If you weren't wearing glasses... Well, I'll take them off. There. You look worse. Put them back on. <laughs> yeah, what's the fuss here? What's the fuss? He tried to shove in ahead of me. I did not. He did, too, and he squeezed my hand. Oh! <laughs> now, look here, my good woman. We'll have to ask for order here, my friend. Why don't you just take your place in the line? I'm trying to find out whether this is the right line. I've come for my B ration book. Oh, you've come for it, huh? Yes. I have my application right here. Uh, You and a hundred million others. What? (laughs) Young man, evidently you don't know who I am. I happen to be Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, and I have to do a lot of driving. Where to? Well, out to the reservoir. The reservoir? What for? See if there's anything in it. Yeah? (laughs) Listen, brother, if we gave a ration book to everybody who wants to drive out to the reservoir for a little necking in the moonlight... I don't do any necking in the moonlight. Oh, you like it in the dark. Yeah, no! (laughs) And I didn't come here to be insulted by underlings. End of the line, bud. Yes, end of the line! End of the line! line. line. Oh, shut up! (laughs) Oh, Judge, I want you to tell this young whippersnapper here where where he gets off. Well, now, Gildy... He has the nerve to tell me I'm not entitled to a B-ration book. Well, he may be right, Gildy. You're only sharing the ride with one person. You can't throw those technicalities at me, Hooker. You're the share, my rider. You signed this application yourself. I know that, Gildy. As a share of the rider, I'd be delighted to see you get your ration book. But... 
As a ration official, I couldn't possibly pass this application. My conscience wouldn't allow it. All right, Judge. As a ration official, you needn't bother to come to Thanksgiving dinner. And as a share of the rider, from now on, you can walk. I'm the line. Oh, you can have your old line. <laughs> back to Summerfield and the great Gildersleeve. Apparently, he'll get no more gas than the rest of us, but uh, what about turkey? It's Tuesday afternoon now, only two days before Thanksgiving, and we find our hero checking last-minute details with Marjorie. What about those four soldiers, my dear? Are you sure they're coming? Oh, yes. I had a note this morning from their commanding officer. They'll arrive at 12 o'clock sharp in a jeep. A jeep? Mm-hmm. Oh, brother, what an appetite they'll have. <laughs> I'll have to run around the house a couple of times to get myself up to concert pitch. And let the boys show me up at my own table. I don't think you need to worry about that, Uncle Mort. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we're all set. Soldiers accepted. Hooker canceled. Mrs. Ransom. Uh, Mrs. Ransom's coming, isn't she? Well, you invited her, didn't you? No, I thought you'd take care of that. You're the lady of the house. Oh, but I thought you'd want to. Oh, dear. And I went over there this morning to borrow a roasting pan for the turkey and never said a word about it. Uh, what, must, what must she think? Oh, this is terrible. This is awful. I'll run over there right now. Service right, and she's made other plans. A fine thing. Borrow a woman's roaster and then not invite her to dinner. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Eh, Leela, I've come to explain. I don't know what there is to explain, I'm sure. Uh, may I come in? Well, I'm rather busy. Just for a moment. Well. Leela. Of course, you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner Thursday. Well, I'm hardly in the habit of going to places to which I've not been invited, Mr. Gildersleeve. But you are invited. You've been invited all along. There was a mix-up, that's all. I thought Marjorie had asked you, and Marjorie thought I had. How do I know? How do I know you're not just inviting me for my roasting pan? (laughs) Lilo, when I thought of inviting you, nothing was further from my mind than a roasting pan. (laughs) Oh, you say those things, but you don't mean them. It's the truth. You were the first one on my list, Leela. Was I, Throckmorton? Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> oh, but I'm afraid I couldn't accept it this late date. You see, I've had all these other invitations. Oh. If I turn them down now, I know they'd be heartbroken, much as I'd like to have dinner with you. We're having a 20-pound turkey. I love turkey, but I'm afraid I can't. I'll save you the white meat. No, don't tempt me now. I'll save you the wishbone. We can make a wish on it. What would you wish, Throckmorton? (laughs) I'm not supposed to tell you. Well, I don't know that I could trust you with a wishbone. And and anyway, I've promised these other people. But you've got to come, Leela. Marjorie and Leroy will be terribly disappointed if you don't. So will I. So will Bertie. If so, will the army. The army? Yes, we're having four young lieutenants to dinner, too. Throckmorton, why in the world didn't you say so? You mean you'll come? Will I? You're too good to me, Leela. <laughs> what did she say, Uncle Moore? She's coming with bells on. I wouldn't put it past her. Huh? <laughs> Uncle Moore, can I borrow your 
shotgun? No, Leroy, certainly not. Why? I'm supposed to bring a gun to school tomorrow. What kind of a school are they running? A reform school? <laughs> no, Miles Standish has got to have a blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Here's your building suit, Leroy. I pressed the collar, so don't mess it up. Oh, put it on, Leroy, and show Uncle Mort how nice it looks, not finished. Oh, no. Go ahead. You look real nice in it. I look like a sissy in it. You look better than you do in that Mickey Mouse sweatshirt you wear all the time. Yeah, and cleaner, too. <laughs> Put on the pilgrim suit, Leroy. Oh, uh, Your sister worked hard on it. It won't do you any harm to put it on once. Go ahead. Okay. I'd like to meet that guy Longfellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, you think we're going to have enough turkey for all these people Thursday? I don't know, Mr. Gilsley. Let's see now. We've got four soldiers, and the four of us here, and Mrs. Ransom. What about Judge Hooker? Judge Hooker is an ungrateful old goat. Never mention his name in this house. Excuse me. I didn't know it was like that again. <laughs> There'll be eight of us at dinner. And you know the way soldiers eat. You think we ought to figure on two turkeys? I don't know, Mr. Gillsleeve. I don't know what we ought to do. What's the matter, Bertie? You seem to be sort of dragging today. <coughs> I don't know. I don't guess I feel so good. Out a little late last night? No, sir. No later than usual. I just got a feeling, that's all. What kind of a feeling? Like things wasn't going to work out somehow. Oh, well, don't let it get you down. Uh, by the way, when are they going to raffle off that turkey I bought all those chances on? Yes, we can't wait much longer to find out about that. Thanksgiving's only two days off. I was thinking, Mr. Gillsleeve, how would it be if we had a nice ham instead of a turkey? <laughs> Bertie, are you hiding something from us? No, sir, I ain't hiding nothing. Except they had that raffle last night. Oh. You came close, Mr. Gillsleeve. You came mighty close. The winning number was 61, and you had 62. <laughs> but it still leaves us without a turkey. Well, sort of. Oh, well, if you gamble, you have to expect those things. Well, we better order a turkey right away, though. Yes, we can't invite all those soldiers to come 20 miles for Thanksgiving dinner and have no Thanksgiving dinner. Well, I'll go call up the market and reserve one. That's just a trouble. What do you mean? I called up the market, and all the turkeys is reserved. You mean they won't sell us one? Butcher says there ain't a turkey left in Summerfield. I don't know what's the matter. Last week, no pot roast. This week, no turkey. Well, we've got to have a turkey. We've invited all these soldiers. We've invited Mrs. Ransom. We've got to find one. But where? Don't ask me. All right, Unc. How do you like it? Like what? The pilgrim suit. Oh, forget the pilgrim suit. We just lost our turkey. No turkey? No turkey. How do you like that? Well, it looks like we'll all wind up eating turkey sandwiches at the drugstore. Yeah. Some Thanksgiving. The drugstore. Maybe Peavy's got a turkey. Hold everything, kids. I'll be right back. I'm going to the drugstore. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, Peavy. Peavy, you've got to help me out. Well, I'm always glad to do a customer service. Good. Have you got a turkey? Uh, what was that again? Have you got a turkey? A turkey? Well, now, I've had people come in here and ask for some strange things, but this is the first time I've ever had a request for a turkey. If, but never mind that. Have you got one? Uh, no, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, turkeys are one thing that I don't carry. I'm sorry. Uh, have you tried the meat market? Of course I've tried the meat market. Why do you think I came in here? Yeah, I wondered. If... Now, just a minute, Peavy. You serve turkey sandwiches at your soda fountain, don't you? Yes, we do serve a turkey sandwich. You can't make a turkey sandwich without a turkey, can you? Well, now, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> In other words, Peavy, your turkey sandwich is not a turkey sandwich. Well, turkey sandwich has become a sort of a trade expression. 
Although we serve it with genuine cranberry jelly on the side. <laughs> but suppose you don't care for cranberry jelly. And then you just ask for the regular chicken sandwich. Yes, sir. <laughs> Peavy, I'm surprised at you. I don't know how you can sleep nights. And I did used to have a little trouble, but I just take a cup of hot cocoa before going to bed now, and I find that sets me right. So does Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> well, this isn't finding a turkey. I got to get going. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Have a nice Thanksgiving. And same to you. Don't drink too much cocoa, and don't let Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> Not a bit, my dear. I've been everywhere. It's no use. The army's picked the place clean. There's not a single turkey left. Maybe I should warn those boys at camp. They'll do better if they stay there. Yes. Wait. There's just one chance left. What's that? If we can find out who won the turkey in Bertie's raffle, we might be able to buy it from him. Uh, Bertie! Yes, Mr. Gilsley? Uh, would you mind coming in here? Yes, sir. Bertie, do you know who won that turkey in your raffle? Uh, no, sir. Hmm. Do you think you could find out? Well, sir, I might be able to, and then again, I might not. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, if I still find out who won, you might not like it. Come clean, Bertie. What bush are you beating about now? Do you know who won the turkey? Uh, yes. Well, why didn't you say so? Who is it? Well, you said never to mention Judge Hooker's name. Oh! <laughs> I told you you wasn't going to like it. Well, there goes our only chance. Uncle Moore, don't you think Judge Hooker would be willing to let you have it? After what I told him down at the ration board? No, my dear, I really gave him a piece of my mind there. But if you took it all back and invited him to dinner again... When he's got the turkey, he'd just laugh at me. He'd... he'd... Uh... Wait a minute, uh, Bertie. Yeah? Does Judge Hooker know yet that he's won the turkey? No, sir, I'm supposed to deliver it to him this evening. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, folks, I gotta see a judge about a bird. <laughs> Horace, I've come to ask your forgiveness. You've come to the wrong place, Gildersleeve. That's a cruel attitude, Judge, but I don't blame you for taking it. You behave like a boor, Gildersleeve. You're right, a big boor. In front of a whole lot of people, too. Yeah. I could kick myself when I think of it. Well, we all fly off the handle sometimes. There was no excuse for it, doing a thing like that to my old friend. Well, Gildy, of course. Horace, you may think me a sentimental old fool, but we've been pals for a good many years now, haven't we? Uh, off and on. <laughs> yes, Gildy, we have. Off and on. Yes. <laughs> and we've always had Thanksgiving dinner together, haven't we? Yeah, I guess that's right Well, I want you to have it with us again this year You really mean that? Horace, I've said it before And I mean it now more than ever If you don't come to Thanksgiving dinner It just won't be Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> Well then, I'll certainly be delighted to come Good, don't forget now I won't We'll be counting on you I'll be there what time would you like to have me come? Oh, come early, Judge. Uh, come about 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock? Yeah. And when you come, would you mind bringing that turkey you won in the raffle, Judge? Well, Gildy, I've got to be going. But it's been a mighty pleasant day. Oh, stick around, Judge. The evening's young yet. No, I've got to get an early start in the morning. I don't know when I've had a finer Thanksgiving. Well, it was your turkey, Judge. Yeah. I share my turkey, you share your car. That's the spirit today. Yeah, and the good spirit, too. It brings people together, Judge. Yes, it does, Gildy. 
I'm sorry we had that misunderstanding down at the ration board. As a matter of fact, you're probably entitled to a B ration. You use your car for official business. Well, I don't want a B book. What? No, I've been thinking about it, Horace. It seems to me the spirit of rationing is to get along with as little as you can, instead of grabbing all you can get. You're absolutely right, Gildy, and I'm glad to hear you say it. You're a credit to the community. Well, thank you, Horace. And you may rest assured that even though I only, I've only a humble A ration, my car will still be at your service at all times. You mean that, Gildy? I do, indeed. That's fine. I've got to meet a train at Moore's Junction at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good night, Gildy. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> music heard on this program was composed and conducted by Billy Mills. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Ladies, when you want to make good macaroni and cheese, get a package of Kraft Dinner. This wonderful product is really an answer to a housewife's prayer for an easy and quick-to-make main dish. It takes only seven minutes cooking time to fix delicious macaroni and cheese with Kraft Dinner. Put the macaroni that's in the package into boiling water and cook rapidly for seven minutes. In just that short time, you have fluffy, tender macaroni all ready for the cheese goodness. So you take the package of Kraft Grated, which comes with Kraft Dinner, and sprinkle it on the macaroni, stirring the delicious cheese flavor through and through. That's all there is to it. Your macaroni and cheese is ready to be served. And once you've prepared it this way, you'll never want to go back to the old-fashioned way of baking it. Not when Kraft Dinner gives you such tempting macaroni and cheese in just seven minutes. Why not try it tomorrow? Just ask your dealer for a package of Kraft Dinner. It's so convenient, so economical, and so good. This program reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Even I could make Kraft macaroni and cheese. Well, so. that comes out of a box. I like I mean, it. Just I, a little water and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. I have made probably in my lifetime for my kids and for myself maybe a hundred of those. Oh, same here. My kids loved it. Yeah. Kraft macaroni. It doesn't take long. He said seven minutes. You boil the water. You so put that the macaroni. That you know how to do. <laughs> boil the water. Put the macaroni in. And then here's what I used to do. I did a little something extra with mine. I like the little pizzazz, a little panache, you know what I mean? So I would, you know, after I boiled the macaroni and then I drained it, I would take the cheese that they give you in the package, right? And then I would take some Parmesan cheese and sprinkle a little of that on there as well. Did you not put milk on there? Yeah, a little bit of milk. Yeah. That's my secret. A little Add parmesan. A little, extra little extra parmesan with the with the Do cheese. You just mean like the basic craft shaker parmesan? Yeah. You put it in there and you mix it with the a little bit of milk and it adds a little bit of um a little it's like a, it's a little carl extra. Mm. I put pepper in mine. Yeah, pepper too. Yeah. It's like a little, that's my secret. That's, I think that's what we should call you, my, a little Carl extra. little extra Carl. Carl, but a little bit more. Right. It's just, that's my little secret recipe. You're generally Carl, but a little bit more. Right. So that's how you make Kraft macaroni and cheese. Well, thank just you add a little Parmesan. And thank as Mike you. said, a little pepper too, mm. right? Um, all right. There you go. That's the Great Gildersleeve, November 22nd, 1942. A Thanksgiving program starring Hal Perry 
and all the gang, sponsored by Kraft, as heard on NBC. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on Hollywood. Oh, wait a minute. This month in music history. Oh, sorry. This month in music history. My goodness. We're in the 1980s. Let's do it. Okay. That girl is pretty wild. Oh, yeah. I like this song. Yeah. Super Freak. Rick That's James. Rick James. Yes. Released on his album called Street Songs. Super Freak. Super Freak. Super Freaky. It's a good song. It is. Very catchy. That girl's all right with Very me. Very danceable, too. If you were going to dance, this would be it. You know what I would do? You'd I would dance. make Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. And, and listen then, to Super Freak. And then dance to this song while, I'm, while I'm eating it. I like it. Super Freak. She's super, super Freaky. freaky. Oh, yeah. Yow. Super Freak. Super Freaky. She's a, She's a special girl. She is. Her toenails. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lisa. Okay. More of Hollywood 360 after this. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Don't forget, we only have about uh, eight more days to save the radio series Bold Venture. So please search Bold Venture Kickstarter. Go to our Kickstarter website, Bold Venture Kickstarter, and help us save Bold Venture and get the episodes. All right, next week we have actress Beverly Washburn. She'll be our celebrity guest, and then we'll air five Thanksgiving shows. We'll present Phil Harris and Alice Faye, Suspense, the Jack Benny program, Our Miss Brooks, and the Red Skelton Show. So don't miss it. Lisa, don't miss it. I will be here. All right. Be sure to visit our official website at Hollywood360radio.com. From my co-host, Lisa Wolf, our executive producer, Mike Bubble Bath Costella, And my crabby brother, Vince Amari, this is Carl Amari saying stay safe, be healthy, and thanks for listening. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.